Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for another epic debate. This is going to be a fun one, folks. And if it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, we are a neutral platform that hosts debates on science, politics, and religion with the goal of giving everyone their fair shot to make their case on an equal playing field. So we are very excited and want to let you know, no matter what walk of life you are from, folks, whether you be Christian, atheist, Muslim, agnostic, you name it, we really do hope you feel welcome here. And with that, want to let you know as well, we have many more debates to come. So consider hitting that subscribe button if you love controver controversial debates, including this Tuesday's creation evolution debate, which should be a good one. So with that, Want to get into the details for today's debate. First, we are going to have a kind of flexible format like usual. So it'll be roughly 12 minutes split by each side. They can use as little of that as they want. Then we'll have open conversation after those opening statements. And that'll go for about 50 to 60 minutes, followed by Q&A. So if you have a question, feel free to fire it into the old live chat. And if you tag me with at Modern Day Debate, it makes it easier for me to get every question in that list. Super Chats are also an option, in which case you can not only ask a question, but if you want to make a comment toward one of the speakers that they, of course, would get a chance to respond to, you would get to do that as well. And it will push your question or comment to the top of the list for the Q&A. So we are very excited and want to let you know, folks, all of the speakers are linked in the description. So if you would like to hear more from these guys, want to let you know about that. And want to say, of course, if you haven't figured it out, on the left side of your screen, folks, you have a negation of P and Matthew, friends of the channel, and who, by the way, have been in the debate world on YouTube and online for a long time. They've got a lot of their seasoned veterans. So really thrilled. Thanks so much, Ned and Matthew, for being here. And, oh, wait, let me just got you guys on mute. Now you're unmuted. Okay. Also, want to say thanks so much to our friends Smokey and Maddox, a regular tag team. They're like the Hardy Boys in the WWE. They're just regularly partnered together. The Dudley Boys, you name it. So we we're excited to have them as well. Smokey and John, thanks for coming on. Pleasure, sir. Thanks for having us once again. Appreciate uh, coming on for another another round of entertainment for the audience and uh, for everybody who is unaware of this after the show uh, somebody who's actually friends of both sides uh, Nicholas Whitmire proclaimer of the Messiah he's having an after show that I think Smokey and myself for sure are going to and I'm hoping that uh, we'll be able to continue uh, this discussion after the debate uh, with our opponents so everybody go ahead and make sure you check that out I think he'll be posting some information about that in the description Got well you. he obligated me so yeah he obligated me already so I guess I'll be there and last thing, if you do enjoy topics such as ethics, we are excited that Dark Viper AU will be here tonight or tomorrow night. Matt will be debating Tom Jump. So that should be really fun on whether or not ethics even is objective. So with that, we're going to get started with tonight's debate. Want to let you know, we'll start with the non-theists or atheists. So first, negation of P and Matthew, thanks so much. The floor is all yours. Okay. Whoa. 
Thank you, James. As always, love being here. Um, I'm going to keep it really short. Um, all I'm going to do is, is state two of my longstanding arguments. Um, like you said, I've been around here probably way too long. I think we're pushing a little over a decade now, me and Matthew both. Um, <clears throat> the Probably the, the debate or the argument that I'm best known for is Gnome. Uh, the conclusion of Gnome says, if we do in fact live in a universe that is a result of God's plan and the Bible provides us an accurate description of God, namely God is an all good omni-God, which still, while still being capable of performing any act, God would nonetheless still be constrained by his own nature. Given these two, this would not only render morality impossible, but would even if somehow you could get to morality, due to the limited nature of humans, we could not even identify what is right or wrong, let alone justify any, any moral decision that we make. Um, the second, and I know that um, Matthew is telling me that oh, our opponents don't like or feel like all atheists do is, is come on and kind of downplay Christianity. So I want to go with my second argument, which is a sexual, secular morality um, and what that is, is it's based on a progression away from, oh, an incomplete set of morals derived from primitive superstitions. Um, and all we need to, all we need to do in, to see that is, is that if in general, at least the majority of mankind feels that it's better for humanity to decide to, to survive and secondarily, we should attempt to strive for happiness, both in ourselves and others, we should see a progression away from those more primitive, um, oh, bar barbaric type ethic systems into ones that are more all-inclusive, more caring, and for the most part, um, foster um, a sense of unity and a sense of well-being across sooner or later, hopefully, the world. Um, and honestly, that's what we see. Um, that's all I have for my opening. Well, I guess that's my turn then. Um, I don't write my opening statements, so I'm just going to explain quickly. Um, uh, let's say that I agree with everything negation just said as um, not only what you end up with on Christian morality, but an explanation for where morality comes from as a, a sort of a, a meta-analysis of human behavior and interaction. Um, my process of establishing a belief system for myself, um, making it make sense from when you're a child all the way up to an adult to make it make the, the best explanation possible. I, I use um, an acknowledgement that to make yourself understood to others, you're going to have to engage some sort of a presupposition in your apologetic, your argument, your worldview. There will be at least one involved to explain to someone else. Now, I don't think that's necessary for a person's own experience and understanding of reality, but to explain it to someone else, there is. So 
acknowledging that, I think that the easiest way to come up with the most accurate understanding of reality is to minimize them, to add as few additional ones as possible. So I was just talking to negation before the debate, and uh, one thing I pointed out, and I think we agreed on, is that you don't see too many depressed or anxious babies. No when, when, when you're a child, you typically are... Um, receiving love and affection and attention from your the people around you. And your social skills end up informing your self-worth and your understanding of reality. And your ability to understand reality is therefore informed by the people that you're exposed to, the skills that they provide you with. But at no point are you ever um, anything other than what you were to begin with. You start out as a human being, you stay a human being, but you come from everything that's already there. So for there to be another part that's added to what we are, say uh, a literal soul, which I would argue is an abstract idea, just like any abstraction that we use to describe reality. That goes also to our conception of ourselves. That's how we first are able to understand um, our place in things is to, is to be an individual, is to form an abstract concept of self based on the resources that you have available to interpret what you experience. So you take all of your memories and your sensory experience and your cognitive abilities and that becomes yourself so we, we have a tendency to compartmentalize and, and make things uh, as compact as possible. And I think that's one reason that English works so well as a language is that you can explain very complicated ideas very quickly in, in very few words. Um, sometimes that can take a lot to unpack, especially when you're starting from very different viewpoints. But for the most part, we are all um, doing our best to uh, explain ourselves as well as possible. So we use the best words that we can, and that requires us to use the best ideas that we can. So the system to arrive at that, without adding any other presuppositions, as far as I can tell, means that we are all part of the same universe. We are all part of the universe, literally. Therefore, there's no separation between us and it. So if there is no separation, which appears to be the case, there is no, um, there is no problem with establishing that we have knowledge. Now, I understand from the Christian perspective that knowledge is something that has to be provided, but that is assuming, one, that it can be provided, that it is something that can be provided as a thing that you're given, instead of something that you start out with as a human being with a brain and that there's someone who can provide it to you. And that comes from presuppositions that I so far see no justification for. Now, that's not to say that it couldn't be that there is something that exists out of that, which is, but first we have to establish that there is a limit to what is 
where that limit is and that something can exist outside of it. And from our perspective, aside from speculation and hypotheses that don't eventually take us anywhere except to satisfy the arguments that we're presenting, they don't actually get at what exists until we have some sort of information that comes from outside of our experience and a way to demonstrate that that's the case, we are left with what we can experience personally, what we can, um, what we can sense or understand about reality. So the way that I'm explaining my uh, process of, of establishing what is and isn't true doesn't rule out that someone else has had a religious experience. It just makes it very unlikely and doesn't make it something that we should accept as true unless we can also do it for ourselves. Now, there is, of course, a lot more to add to that when it comes to some of the arguments and claims and apologetics and back and forth that's, that's in intrinsic to the great debate, but that is the bare bones of how I see things. So I would say that I'm a monist. I make the claim that we are all the same thing in different forms. When you break us down to our smallest pieces, we are still the same thing as everything else. And I also make the claim that dualism is unjustified. So that to me leads me to the conclusion that theism is false, not just that it's unjustified. So that's basically the foundation of my position. And I think that that's enough time. I haven't been following how long I've been talking, but I think anything else that needs to be added, we can add during the, the back and forth. So you got it. We will kick it over. Thanks so much, both Ned and Matthew, for your opening statements. We will go with Smokey and Maddox now for their opening statements. Floor is all yours. Smokey, go ahead. Go, go, go ahead, Maddox. Yeah, uh, go ahead because I'll take a little bit more time. Go ahead. So honestly, I'm not really sure what we just listened to. Are we here to debate theism versus atheism or secular versus Christian ethics? Um, and I enjoyed listening to the philosophical breakdown of his worldview, but I'm not really sure what that had much to do with uh, the subject of tonight's debate. But um, that aside, the from my understanding in the context of ethics, which is what I thought we were discussing, um, there's actually not that many major differentiation points between secular ethics and Christian ethics other than what is the source origin. Now, obviously there's a few little minor tweaks here and there, but the majority of the principles are agreed upon. And like I said, we're talking about the, what is the source and what is the ultimate <clears throat> entity that we are accountable? Are we ultimately accountable to the divine creator and the uh, entity which initiated the rules of the eth ethical system, or is it a, abstract created by humans um, and therefore the only accountability is ultimately to whatever entities are created by 
humans. So, I mean, I, I'm not really sure what we're going to be discussing. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to have this turn into a, you know, evidence for theism. I mean, I'm happy to go down that rabbit hole if we want to, but because um, I didn't think that was what we were um, here to discuss. So what I would be most interested in uh, deriving from my opponents as we dive into this as to what exactly it is um, in terms of the core principles of ethics that they have an issue with in terms of what Christians are bringing to the table. And um, yeah, so I'm, like I said, I'm interested to, very interested to see where we go with all this. And uh, I know my partner, the amazing Smoky Saint, has got a uh, much more foundational uh, discussion to bring to the table, and I will yield the rest of my time to him. Well, I appreciate that, sir. Thank you so much. Logical, plausible, probable. I appreciate that. And uh, thank you, James, uh, once again for having me. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. Sincerest thanks to Modern Day Debate for giving me another opportunity to appear and hopefully not compromising my brand by putting up a picture of a random real-world apologist or Smokey the Bear. Although I do appreciate the comparison, as I do try to prevent dumpster fire arguments, so thanks for that, James. I want to thank our opponents also for being here today. Having spent now four months in this debate environment, I've become familiar with a certain character profile of much of the online atheist community, and that theme, in a general sense, is along the lines of cowardice. A lack of character or independent fortitude tends to relegate them to only share their opinions behind a keyboard. Our opponents are brave. They've come to contend in person, their wits on the spot, and that should be commended. Gentlemen, thank you. This alone elevates you among your common peers, in my opinion. The sincere compliment that I took the time to deliver in my opening is actually part of my opening because their boldness is not all that makes them brave. Today they have arrived to actually contend for the ability to basically build houses on clouds, morality built on nothing but hopes and aspirations about the ultimate normative manifestation of the best components of the human condition, when we know this is pretty much never the case in the real world. It does amaze me how atheists tend to want to assume the manifestation of the best in people in a secular system, while they are in the actual process of witnessing the crumbling of societies that tend to do so. Subjective moral relativism and all of its components and offshoots are pure social cancer. The abandonment of absolutes about human life and objectives and moral constructs is something that leads to societal and cultural meltdown. And we have seen this in plenty of civilizations that have preceded us. Wouldn't any atheist here agree with me when I say that if we actually want our culture or country to survive, then we should take example from civilizations that have preceded us and managed to survive. In this regard, I tend to see a theme of contradictions that come from the atheists as they present their critiques. Atheists are very quick to attack the legal codes and cultures of these ancient people who had access to none of the first world resources that have allowed us to attain our modern standards of civility. These people did not have penal systems, a central secured currency, regulated trade, secured borders, defense forces, police, firefighters, roads, or even the most basic of infrastructure that many of us have grown to take for granted. This was a harsh and wild world, and laws had to be constructed for that consideration. Yet I see it common practice for atheists to attack what they see from their lofty ivory tower of first world judgment, while they condemn the people who suffered to give them the comforts that they enjoy and use as leverage for their moral outrage. Well, 
The Jews are the only among their ancient contemporaries to have managed to survive to modern day. Great nations surrounded them, far greater and more powerful nations, many of which persecuted, enslaved, and slaughtered the Jewish people. Yet today, these great contenders are nothing but dust and distant historical memory. The Assyrian Empire, Babylon, Rome, all these nations are gone, yet Israel is the only one still here. It actually reestablished its own country and modern memory after generations of displacement and suffering, something that is unprecedented on the stage of world memory. I say this to hopefully avoid wasted debate time on shallow presentist perspectives and criticisms of ancient cultures, which provide the backbone of what we glean our moral systems and standards and absolutes. Atheists tend to condemn the failure to manifest absolute good in a, in a universe that they will even admit operates from a stance of highest good. The existence of the moral dilemma is something atheists both ignore and leverage in order to make their condemnation of our God and our morals. There are times that based upon the natural world, a good choice might not be possible only the less bad of choices. And yet it seems to be inside this milieu of moral confusion that atheists try to focus much of their efforts of critique. And I believe we will possibly expose some of that tonight. The type of foundation of the Christian moral framework can never be synthesized by any non-theist system. To me, it is even nonsensical to try. A nihilistic perspective of, ult of ultimate meaninglessness existence can't possibly lead to a feeling of ultimate meaningfulness and morality. You see, it's not that atheists can't synthesize reasons to be good people or make good choices. It's really that all those reasons are ultimately meaningless. After all, we are ultimately a random collection of stellar matter, bubbling chemicals that just happen to arrange into a form of advanced complexity or only what we perceive as, it, as complex from our relative perspective and understanding. We might be far more simple than anything else out there in the universe, but only see ourselves as so complex as we are the most complex things we know. We might be the simplest and most meaningless of possible naturalistic mechanisms in our cosmic sandbox. And if so, what does it really matter if this random matter decides to violently rearrange other random matter? If we are indeed just complex bags of bubbling chemicals narcissistically saturated in our own sense of self-importance, why is it wrong to eliminate the existence of another bag of random bubbling chemicals in order to increase my pleasure and happiness? Matthew actually said it, we are all the same. No difference and seemingly nothing unique or special, just different arrangements of matter. If our opponents tonight are intending to make moral objections or assertions, I hope they're able to tell us how they can even make the assertion in the first place in any type of way that actually makes sense. And with that, I thank you all very much, and I yield. We'll kick it into open discussion then. So the floor is all yours, gentlemen. Um, I'd, I'd like to... Um, well, Matthew, respond. I think since we went, I think since we went first, they, don't they get to start the cross? Well, I don't know. It doesn't matter. We kind of just finished. So if you guys have something on we just finished, you can certainly pose it. I mean, it's up to you guys. I mean, whatever you want to do. It's open convo. We're just talking, right? Yeah. Um, I just, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. No, no, you're good. Throw something out, Matthew. You're good, brother. Go for it. Well, I, um, I wanted to explain why I gave the opening statement that I did. Um, 
as a as a foundation for my reasoning. And if if we're going to arrive at an explanation without God to justify our morality, we have to have a system of reasoning that can establish that. So I agree with negations arguments um, not only for secular morality but against Christian morality, biblical morality, and even monotheistic morality. And I'm I'm happy to let him explain those and and why we believe that not only is um, Christian biblical, you know, the biblical idea of of morality coming from an ultimate authority as is apparently necessary, not only is that incoherent, but possibly impossible. So what we see with Christianity and with the secular view is basically the same thing, because I would argue a secular system, because of our lack of authority, would lead people right to a presumption of authority whether or not that authority is actually there. We would assume it because we don't have it to appeal to it so that we could um, put ourselves more at ease to, to diminish the um, existential dread of not having an authority. That, I think, is something that we would see if there were a secular system, because people would feel the need to have that um, existential dread and anxiety uh, mitigated. And that is what I, I would agree. Christian morality does that very well. Biblical morality does that very well. Well, but, let me pitch something. Can I pitch something to you, Matthew? And I'm sorry, I don't mean to, to interrupt. Sure, sure. But, no, it's uh, fine. I kind of want to throw something at you here. See if you see if you can respond to this too. Um, in the in the framework of kind of the Christian morality that you're presenting here, you can understand that in our view there is something abstract that an atheistic moral system or secular moral system probably can't possibly ever hope to synthesize, and it is that sense of personal accountability that accountability of something beyond yourself of a moral standard also the the i would say the inspiration to actually act in what we would call i guess uh, benevolence self-sacrifice uh you know the su supererogatory act you know the act of true selflessness you know the, we find motivators and we find also mitigators inside this you know framework of the knowledge of the existence of, of a deity that cares whether or not we're good to each other. So when you maybe could get away with doing something that's bad, you might still not do it. Even if you know you could get away with it, even if you maybe say, for instance, you've had your wallet stolen 20 times in your life. Are you going to feel really necessarily all that bad about picking up a wallet that someone left and keeping it? Because maybe you're just going to associate, well, stealing wallets seems to be culturally normative and, uh, you know, culturally morally permissible. And I guess that's just how we operate. We all just need to keep an eye on our wallets. And if you see a wallet, you get to take it. That's that's how the type of thing I would see it manifesting if we kind of go through this metric of kind of unlimited self-relative moral licensing. I, I yield. Please go ahead. So the, the idea of normativity is itself what carries the weight. 
if you accept the normativity as absolute, as an authority, that doesn't require that there actually be an authority. If you present that there is one, the, uh, the fact of, of the matter doesn't require there to be one. I'm going to make an insertion on, on that point. The, you know, it, it's great to make a theoretical assertion that no authority is required. However, I would say from an observation perspective, when authority is removed from the equation, there is almost a 99.99999% chance of degradation into full-scale anarchy and moral depravity. So, um, Jazz. Yeah, yes. So I'm not really sure how you can, I mean, yeah, you can make a theoretical assertion all day long, like, well, no, authority is actually required, but if that's not reality, you're not living in reality. And John, I think, I, I think the, the thing that you guys are missing is that the authority is, is the goal. And what I mean by that is, is again, in my opening, I think that at least on average, and I would argue the vast majority of humanity feels that it's better not only to exist, but also in that existence, trying to prosper, trying to make, you know, right. But you're, you're, dodging, you're dodging my point, which is, do you know that there is Listen, that John, John, if you don't let me finish my sentence, it makes it very difficult for you to understand my point. This is literally my so here's first the thing. question. I'm clarifying on, the position let's, that let's, I asked. Let's let Ned finish. Thank you. He's not addressing my position. So, I am just because you don't understand it doesn't mean I'm not doing it. So here's oh, already going to be a jerk. Okay, right. awesome. Glad John, we're going that route. You've cut, me off, you've cut me off three talk. times, Matthew. You, I mean, you've cut me off three times now, and I'm the jerk. Okay. So again, if we can agree with those two premises, then the accountability comes in if we are fulfilling that role or if we're not. And all of these horrific things that you want to point out would degrade both of those goals. Therefore, the accountability comes from what we're trying to do as humanity, internally, what we're trying to move toward. That's part of being a special or a herd species. So that's where the authority comes from. Uh, quick question, quick question. Yeah. Ned, um, yep. can one of those goals be used to license uh, moral horror? Uh, anything can be licensed to horror as we see from across the board, from, oh, I mean, a myriad of religious, um, I mean, as, as um, Hitchens put it, you know, it, <laughs> it takes uh, a religious person to do the truly horrible. So if we want to start trying to look at things as far as what could happen, granted, but what will happen, as we've seen throughout history, Okay. What society, what society is driving toward as a species. Second question. Is the goal, can the goal be licensed for a moral horror? I don't see the difference in what you're asking. Well, that might be part of the issue. Uh, you know, you can make something appear moral inside a framework that other frameworks would deem amoral. Like, like for instance, and then I've used this example, I think once before in the USSR during the time, you know, pre proceeding right before it's inevitable downfall, they were starving out 
a lot of the farmers in the countryside to keep the uh, you know uh, central machine you know, governmental machine oiled and running, you know, doing its uh, its thing. Um, and that was justified through the people in power as the, the, the highest good for the sake of the survival of the nation, which led to the starvation and, and you know, uh, subjugation and, and of a lot of uh, very innocent people. And that was built upon right. a framework of that kind of highest good or, or, you know, best proponent as opposed to an whoa. absolute whoa, whoa, of, of the nature of someone's life and, and well-being and, and property. Well, well, the problem with that is, is you're you're conflating nat- um, n- um, nationalism with special um, movement. If we're going to constrain that to nations or individuals, absolutely. When we start looking and we're trying, when we put in the betterment of the oh constrained group over the entire group, then yeah, these things are very very dual. But well, again, that's pretty much always the case, though, isn't it? I mean, in every oh, single contention no, no, no. ever since the beginning of time, there's always there's uh, always the subjugated group, and there's always the oppressor and the oppressed. Isn't that pretty much how the, the narrative is pretty much always played out? Sometimes the oppressor becomes the oppressed and vice versa, and years and years and years back and forth. But what we see is, is that it becomes less and less and less prevalent over time. Okay, well, what stops? Nowhere, let, can I finish? We're, no, we're nowhere near the... Um, well, apex of this um, uh, movement or the way that, that society is moving. But as a world, I think you would be hard pressed to say that there is more of that going on than there was, especially per capita, than there was 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 5,000 years ago. What, what is it inside the secular moral framework that mitigates the existence of that rolling rotation, you know, infinite regression of, of nightmarish genocide, murder and oppression and submission? What what breaks that? What inside the secular moral framework is a potential solution component to that, you know, natural manifestation? Can I respond to that? Sure, please, Matthew. Um, as I, I said before, if the theistic, specifically biblical um, moral code, the, the idea that there is an, an ultimate authority, if that is something that prevents people from uh, just wide-scale wide genocide, then that is still occurring from our viewpoint inside a secular framework. So the authority if that's a necessary component for Christian morality to mitigate the slaughter of people in outgroups, especially, you know, basically anybody who disagrees with you, if that is necessary within that framework, that is still happening in a secular framework. So the fact that you have a working moral system by appealing to an authority in Christianity, that is still a framework that is within a secular framework. So we have- I need need clarification on this. Are you stating that religion is a subset of secularism? I would say that life itself is secular. Just living right here, right now, my life is secular. Now, if you want to explain- Is your life only secular? I think that everything is only secular. Wow. 
So that's a rather significant presupposition on this. I'd say we need to have a timeout on this debate, on this subject, and we're going to have to have a debate on theism versus atheism and then have a a debate on uh, secular versus Christian ethics because we're not – your foundational assumption completely uh, like – Oh, mine's the only one that matters. Therefore, we why are we even discussing yours? Because yours is a subset of mine. Okay, I, mean, that, me, I, I, I want to address that. I, I want to address exactly. We just that we need we need more of an argument, Matthew, instead of just an asserted presupposition. We we need we need to get on the same page as you here because it's not okay. really and, making a lot of and, sense. And, and, uh, let me. And, I, I want to just Matthew, say this, and then I'll, and I'll, Matthew, I'll pass it. I'll pass it over to Ned in just a second. But let me let me just okay. say this because John did mention initially, um, right after my opening statement, that. Um, I was derailing the debate by talking about something that we're not um, we're not here to debate, which is you know theism versus atheism. That's not the point of the debate. The problem is that morality is so inextricably entwined with Christianity itself that the Garden of Eden had a literal tree of good and evil. The knowledge of good and evil was a literal thing in the world. That is how central morality is to Christianity. So you can't just separate one from the other. So um, that, I think, is, is why it's important to be able to establish uh, one or the other. And if you're going to establish an authority as the justification for why your moral system is right versus ours being wrong, then you have to establish that there is an authority that could possibly be the source of that. How does that hang, hang on, hang on, hang on, That doesn't follow. I object hang on. to that. Let me, let, me, let me make an insertion on this one, uh, Smoking, I'll yield to you, man. The, I asked this question earlier, and I think we need to clearly delineate this. In the context of morality and secular ethics versus Christian ethics, et cetera, is there is an authority required for their application of these uh, different systems to actually be executed? Because if everything is just completely arbitrary, then what the heck's the point of this debate? Like there has to be some underlining foundation to what is an agreed upon set of principles. Otherwise, they're just literally arbitrary. Okay, I think this is the perfect. So it's the perfect time to pass it to to negation. Let him do his argument. Well, and I'm not. I don't. The formal argument we can get to if you guys want to, but I I don't care so much about that as the discussion. Um, No, no, you have to make an argument before we can have a discussion, dude. Like this, James. I I presented two at the beginning. If you missed them, I'm sorry. But um, number one, and this is the this is the third time I'll say it. So let's get it down. The third time is you, you're asking for a foundation. The foundation is this. If we as a species, in general, and more importantly, as a majority, agree to only two simple goals. One, we want to survive. We want to survive long-term. And secondarily, we want that survival to become more and more and more enjoyable as we, as a collective, not as an individual. With those two, and those two only, that sets the foundation for all morality. As long wow. as we have, and if, if you want to challenge me on that, then great. I All do. we have to do is, is take I've been trying moral, to actually. Well, great. Then, then give, me a, give me a moral question that well, cannot I, be answered by those two. Okay. 
All right, I'll give you one. Okay, let's let's yep. see if I can construct something here, kind of off the fly. Um, kind of painted in the picture of a of a moral dilemma, perchance. Let's say um, decreasing the number of people on Earth increases the amount of resources, therefore increases the amount of potential pleasure of those that are living. Uh, atheism tends to uh, create people who have a higher propensity for substance abuse and suicide, therefore pushing atheism would limit more people on Earth, therefore pushing atheism is a good thing because it'll ultimately make people happier. Is that a good potential framework <laughs> to apply your more Moral dilemma too. <laughs> well, if you, I mean, there was about five different premises there, and I'm not going to agree with probably half of it. But if we can look at it like this, is that again? Let's see. I'm assuming you are um, arguing that mass genocide, because it would decrease the population would end in a net result of good. Is that kind of what you're- Well, it would, it would get you closer to your goal, which is your authority, which is to increase happiness. And one of the mm -hmm. methods of that, which we've seen in the past, because this is what happens when societies I, tend to collapse, and I, and, is that there's a I limit would, of resources and your secular moral system, which you disagree. promote, tends to subjugate people, slaughter them, and then hoard resources again, for the elites of the group. And again, I would completely disagree with that premise. Well, you can disagree with it. It's a matter of history. You're I'm, just disagreeing well, in anger. I, well, I'm trying, I'm trying to explain why so the thing is is that the reason that that doesn't work is because we don't know which side we're going to come in on which means we might is be that... one of the ones if you'll let me finish smoky i mean you bloviated for quite a while if i could get a few words in it bloviating nice. so oh that's bloviating yes. what i was doing not right. actually providing Let's any argument oh, that's good. what you're continuing to do so the thing is is here if you don't know if you're going to be one of the people who are going to be culled from the herd versus one of the ones that are going to be the survivor. No one is going to want to participate in that. Even if you think you're going to be the selected few, sooner or later, we're going to see, as you so rightly put out, that there will be a mass uprising against that, which means society in general does not feel that that is a way that will help propagate the species and therefore it won't exist. It can't exist. And that's why every time it's happened throughout society, every time it's happened through, through history, it has been overturned. Has it not? Oh, after a sea of blood, you know, and the people had to be stopped forcibly by people that did have an objective standard of good that said this crap was wrong. Yeah, sure. Ned, that happened. Oh. <laughs> So you're thinking that it was stopped by these people with objective morals? Who objective believe that, morals. That, that life was sacred and shouldn't be handled that way and that needed to be mitigated and stopped? Hey, yeah, and Ned, right I tend to believe that's exactly what happened. Well, thank you, because that exactly is what my argument is, that life is sacred and we should make life as enjoyable as possible. Yeah, it wasn't so secularists that decided to do that, dude. It wasn't? No. Wow. <laughs> because I can, I am fairly. Which secular society did on. what we just You've described? Got to actually, let him respond. No. Well, he's not making any sense. It's frustrating. Okay. I'm the one not making sense. You're arguing for my position, and I'm the one that's not making sense. Okay. Well, so, so you're contradicting yourself. Hold on. I'm you having have to a give hard. him a chance I, to respond. I, I, I'm not. Smoky, quiet. Thank you. So when we see that throughout history, regardless of what the society is. 
when we're talking about, oh, let's say the Hindus that, it, that have existed for literally millennia longer than any Christian cult has ever even thought about existing. When we look at, oh, the quote unquote secular world as it is as now and what it has done to quell the uprising of both communism and what happened with Pol Pot. Those type of things have been overturned by a collective. World wars were named that just because of that. They were independent of any belief system other than we want to preserve our humanity. We want to preserve our fellow man. It had nothing to do with your God or any other God. It had to do with special pressure. And say that. I didn't say that, and you misrepresented me by saying maybe that. I said it out of grasp. To maybe, like, uh, let's see, just to clarify for the audience in terms of, like, kind of tying this back to the Christian versus uh, secular ethics, is that I think that for some, some of the philosophy terms used by both sides, supererogatory maybe being one among others, maybe are new to some of the audience. And so just for anybody who might be newer to philosophy, if if there's like kind of a clear, like short, oh, direct way yeah. of explaining the uh, arguments that have occurred. Yeah, sure. A supererogatory act is like a, a, a sense, an act of super self-sacrifice, like throwing yourself in front of a bus to throw someone out of the way to save their life, something like that. Something really going out of your way of severe personal self-sacrifice for someone else's benefit. It's the type of thing that so, generally isn't able to be justified or generally motivated inside secular frameworks. And why would you say that? That's very interesting. Well, because, because of course, in the secular framework, this life is all you have. It's very nihilistic, meaningless, self, self-centered, and egotistical, because really it, it all ultimately boils down to what you can garner for your personal experiences. So, And now, granted, you might not be judged by that, but for you to try to say that not being judged by that somehow makes it normative inside a society that clearly seeks after its own greed and self-service is just you engaging in pure sophistry. But you can say it if you want. Uh, what I am going to say is, is that again, I'm glad I'm entertaining history, you, Ned, by the way, uh, you've been fine. Uh, you, you are, you're very entertaining, Smokey. I've got to admit that. Appreciate so it, here, here's the thing is that if, if you are going to claim that the only way to have self-sacrifice and be truly altruistic is through. Well, not only, no, 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 no. And Ned, please don't well, say that. No, no, no. I, let's say the majority, let's say the majority then. It's, it's, no, 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 that's not even correct. Please, just let me rephrase and I'll let you respond. Just let me clarify. Okay. It's that it's that the secular, what my argument is, it's that inside the secular framework, it doesn't have the same motivators that we do for those types of acts because it's based upon a perspective of limits, you know, constraints. Like, like everything is very, very naturalistic. Everything is just as it is right now. And once this is over, it's done. Now, when you compare that worldview to the worldview of the Christian, that this is just the initial step, all of a sudden, you know, you can open up a whole new broad range of potential supererogatory acts that a secular framework wouldn't necessarily ever be able to motivate for in the same spectrum. That's the argument. Okay. And again, I disagree. The reason being is, is that, is that self-sacrifice, a truly altruistic, um, action number one i believe is almost impossible but the closest you're going to get well, what to about what i described is, about throwing people out of the way of the bus that that's got to be purely altruistic uh, like like it, risking to like kill yourself no, by like no, that's not well, here 
Not necessarily, because let's let's look at it this way. Let's say that we let's set the let's set the um, parameters on the on the thought experiment. We're walking down the street and there is a bus coming and we see a child that would be run over if we did not throw them out of the way and sacrifice ourselves. That sounds in a secular world, like you would say, as something that I should just stand by and allow to happen. Whereas in reality, the pain that I would endure because of having to live with knowing that that child was dead due to my inaction is motivation in and of itself, not to mention the potential praise, the, the potential betterment of society by the example that I set that would allow for the species to continue is orders of magnitude more important than if I'm doing it on, on the behalf of what I was told to do. By well, okay, hang on, well, hang on, dude. Are, are you are you literally stating, are, are you founding uh, whether or not people are altruistic in whether or not they go and save a child to Darwinian theory of species propagation? Are you literally stating that morality is completely derived by perpetuation of the species? I would say the there is a... I don't know if it would be the only driver, but it is definitely a significant, if not the majority of the driver. Yes. Okay. And so the reason I say that, hang on, can I, hang, can on, I I gotta, hang on, follow up well, question. Me, I, I haven't I, talked in quite some time, dude. It's my turn now. Sorry, sorry you're right. You're right. Yeah, I'm going to yield for a I've bit. Been, actually, I've been being yeah. very quiet. Okay. So the reason I'm asking this you're question right. is it seems to me that, and I want direct clarification on this. That's why I'm clarifying my position here and the position I'm asking about is if is it your position that morality is ultimately founded upon perpetuation of the species, evolutionary uh, psychology and philosophy? And uh, if so, aren't you actually just dependent upon natural selection and Darwinism, et cetera, being the ultimate authority position for morality and ethics? Uh, let, yeah, I'm gonna answer yes, but let me qualify. Um, it's a qualified guess. And again, it's not a black or white, all or nothing type deal. There is societal pressure. There is personal experience. And we all live, in my opinion, on a, a graduated, um, we see everything from people who are have absolutely no ethics whatsoever and care nothing for their fellow man to the people who would sacrifice anything and everything from their fellow man. The other reason that I bound this, or at least... Um, look at this as potentially being, or not only potentially, but most likely being evolutionary driven is because the most altruistic animals that we see are not ourselves, honeybees. They will sacrifice the entire colony for the queen, which makes perfect sense because the only one in that collective that can propagate is the queen. We look at American buffaloes, we look at wolves, dolphins, chimps, bonobos, all of this is a graduated ethics systems based on how that group, how that herd interacts to protect the herd, not themselves, the herd. So yes, I, I absolutely see humanity as a herd species, which makes perfect sense, at least in part, for that to be one of the drivers for ethics. Okay, so you are, again, are you suggesting that perpetuation survival of the species is the fundamental driving force for the entire existence of ethics and morals. One of, yes. No, I said, is it the primary? Okay, I'll go as far as say primary. 
Okay, so if uh, if evolution or if Darwinian evolution in terms of the existence of humanity is false, then is your entire worldview false? It would be very hard to sustain that. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Um, Smokey, you want to follow up on that? Can you do that? By the way, I mean, I'm kind of curious because there's an assertion, but I don't see. I don't hear anything to actually. I mean that. that well, let me follow up if I may. Okay. Let me follow okay, up ahead. if I may. Um, so, so it, just so I understand too, because I mean, in, in the in the, I'm sure you understand the history of the book. I mean, Darwin was a, just an absolute, you know, outspoken racist, uh, and was. Oh my God. Uh, and was perfectly no, fine no, that, you know that, that is absolutely the most oh yeah no no and his grandfather and, and, which which wrote the book before him was also you know way worse than he was but that's where he got a lot of his ideas so, but anyway so what so let me finish uh just let me finish real quick and this will be a okay. follow-up for you to kind of kind of respond to a little bit please do i, so, I definitely want to come back on this that's fine that's fine. So, so, and well, I don't even know if you can disagree with this, Ned, and I'll tell you why. Because, I mean, even from the evolutionary model, the out of Africa model, you know, like the, the African American peoples were amongst those of, of our progenitors, those, those that, you know, basically we all came from and ultimately evolved and came from. So, through the evolutionary paradigm model, they are, in fact, just by nature of, of matter of fact in the model, you know, lesser evolved than the rest of us. And that's how Darwin saw it. That's how a lot. The, the the world saw it. that's what what allowed them to justify treating them like animals in the slave trade you know is this type of methodology so so if, i guess i'm trying to understand here is through your worldview of that morality you know how can you really even justify it being wrong what was done to the african americans basically just being done to slightly less evolved versions of us would it be wrong if we had enslaved neanderthals do you think i i wonder what your perspective is on that um, in the same way that your religious moral foundations were incorrect, the people that lived in the 1800s, yes, had a, let's say, inaccurate view of humanity and how we relate to each other. So in, in to cite, even as erroneous as it is for Darwin, but what was incorrect? To cite, to cite a 18, I, you know, I don't even need to go down that. Well, I'd like to, Darwin, well, you made an assertion, wait, wait, and I'd like finish. you to back it up. And, I'd like and, you to and back going, it up. And, and like I said, I'll withdraw it. So I will give Appreciate you a little steel man. I will steel man your argument and say that Darwin was the worst bigot that ever lived on Beautiful. the planet. Just because he was a bigot doesn't mean that evolution is incorrect. And even if he believed sure. that, that... I agree. I just say it's garbage well, morals. I'm not saying it's false. I'm just saying it's garbage well, morals for you problem. to operate from. That's all. Here's, whoa, wait a second. My morals are not derived from Darwin. They're derived from evolution. What from and what evolution teaches their devolved versions of us. I just he's just contradicting himself, James. I'm we sorry. Have to let I'm him finish. Well, you have to let you him know, finish. It's really smoking. easy. It's really easy to say I contradict myself when you only give me two words. All right. Apologies. Again, thank you. So when you look at it as a very limited and short-sighted, very tight-scoped perspective that whatever Darwin said is gospel, when we have progressed, let's say, quite a bit since that time and moved away from, I would say, the vast majority of ethical norms in those days, let alone the ethical norms that we see 2,000 years ago. Were Neanderthals I, animals or humans? is number one my my background is aerospace not 
we well, I'm just asking we, what uh, you believe. We just to just get a... back into more of the yeah. Christian sorry. ethics. Okay. It could yeah, be I'm things sorry. like. Thank you. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point, James. Sorry. Okay, so, so we've got one ethics, from. What exactly is? You know, I would wager that there's things in both secular and Christian ethics that wouldn't actually follow along with your argument that it's all about the herd mentality when fundamental components of ethics is all about taking care of other people, even if it's not in your own best interest. So I'm not exactly. really sure that, you know, no, if it's about perpetuation of me and from an evolutionary perspective, it's all about the uh, heredity of my own genes, not just why? the herd uh, that you're referring to, then why would I do things to, uh, because that's not evolution. That's the problem. So you see, you see evolution with a, a an, an inaccurate um, perspective. So are, are you, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you suggesting, are you suggesting, no, hang on, hang on. We gotta, we have to get you you, just, a you said I don't understand it. So are you stating that mm -hmm. there is a overarching consciousness to evolution that somehow controls whether or not I do what is in my own best interest to rep, uh, reproduce? I would say that it's undoubtedly proven throughout any herd species that individuals from the herd will self-sacrifice themselves to preserve that herd. There's, you can't get around that. Again, I listed six or seven different herd species that do just that every day outside of humanity alone. So yes, absolutely, I'm saying. Can I just respond quickly to something John was, was saying? And it's, it's sort of a, a, a theme that I've noticed in um, not just in this discussion, but in Christian Christians who don't accept evolution versus Christians and non-Christians who do accept evolution. Um, the idea that morality is founded on what the individual wants, I think is, is um, it's, it's, it's setting the standards for what morality is and where it starts and where it stops, way too limited. If you are a social species, the scope of, of how you identify is as part of a group, right? It's your your family, your village, your city, your your country, your world. If you are setting the standard for how you identify with others, how you are a good person, how you're not a good person, based on your inclusivity to your social group, then how you identify your social group determines where you are starting and stopping with what's right and wrong, because it's right to do in your social group, wrong to do outside your social group, right to do outside your social group, but wrong to do inside your social group. So if, if you are acknowledging that your social group is all of the species, then morality is what is best for everyone in the species and not just for the individual so if the argument that that ned is making as a species we are trying to do what's best to prolong the life and the well-being of the species then the acknowledgement of that is secondary to the fact of that as what the species itself is doing to move forward, not just the individual choices that a person is making in that species. Okay, so I, Smokey, I wanted, uh, I'm about to say something, I think you can probably build on what I'm about to say. 
in Smokey's opening statement, he made the point about many of the positions taken by folks such as yourselves are dependent upon the first world luxuries in which we currently uh, engage. So if the four of us and James as well, we'll say five, we're stuck on an island, there's zero food and we have a gallon of water. Um, we're all relatively the same age, nobody's injured. Um, are you going to decide that you're not going to drink any of that water so that the other four of us can live? Potentially. Was that it was depends. that directed at me or is that no. either one? Either one of you. Are, are you guys going to say, you know what, I'm just going to die, so you guys can live? And if so, why? Well, it depends on what. I mean, it, there's a lot more nuance that goes into it. But in general, if, such as expand, if, please. Uh, yeah. See, this is a problem because you're going to try to dodge this. Well, so this is no, really, we've got to give him a chance. You've got to give him a chance. I'm not going to dodge before you say that. I, I'm not going to dodge. I, that's that's poisoning I, I just, the well. Please we, don't do that. Smokey, again, I'm, I'm going to respond. I, I would I would highly recommend you watch some of our videos. We are please the, get we to are it. The then, last please. we are the last thing from dodging. Okay, guys, I'm literally falling asleep over here. Can we like speed up our our talk here? This is like getting extraordinarily boring, and I'm pretty sure the audience is getting bored too. So can we like speed up our like? You can leave any time, Maddox. I don't need you here. I can do this without you. If you're bored, (laughs) we can't do this sentence in less than 45 (laughs) seconds, dude. Like, come on, let's let's speed up your IQ a little bit. Maybe you should go play with some dust in the corner if you need to be entertained. We're here to try to discuss something real, and yes, that does take brain power. And if that bores you, I'm sorry. So let's get let's get back to your little let's get back to your um let's get back to your thought experiment of being on the island. If the potentiality of you living, I am convinced would help the species, yes, I would sacrifice myself, which I would hope you would do the same. Now, here's here's where the, the crux comes in. If we are basing our ethics on what a god told us, and now all of a sudden you think that you hear due to any myriad of reasons, not the least of which not having enough food and water, that your God is specifically telling you to kill us all off because you're the chosen one of the group, you will do so. Did I ask about God? I asked what you would do, not about what the Christian morality would do. I asked about your morality. What would you do? Again, and I gave you the answer, but I also want to show how with with a moral system based in trying to better humanity, we have safeguards to protect, protect against it, such things. Whereas when it's the based safeguards on are gone on the island, buddy. Only if you decide they're gone. No, 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 no. As we're we're coming I, down. No, okay, no, no. In, okay. In what in what real in what real scenario in the history of mankind, when there are people, the guys on the boat that the, the ship is sank and they're on a lifeboat out in the middle of the freaking ocean. There's many many stories about this. Um, hasn't usually somebody ends up dying. People get eaten in those kinds of scenarios. So again, back to my earlier point, which was the vast majority of the words coming out of you and Matthew's mouth tonight are a bunch of esoteric academic crap from the ivory tower of academia in the first world in which we live that don't actually apply when you remove the first world aspects of the equation, which ultimately circles back around to how did the entire aspect of morality exist prior to the environment in which we now get to have these kinds of discussions about theoretical positions if that was not the scenario when morality came into existence. Because we have always been a herd species, and as we have seen in the past, throughout history, the collectives, the groups that work together, propagate. 
they, they survive. The lone wolf individuals, the groups that do get hyper um, tribalistic, they weed themselves out. It would, would it not make sense that if we work as a collective, we are stronger, just like a honey, honeybee um, colony? Yes, it absolutely works that way. When we are alone, as an animal, we are not the strongest. We are not the fastest. We are arguably the only thing we have is our intellect and our ability to co-optively work together. When we drop those two things, we do not survive anywhere on this planet very well. That's why it's worked. And that's why, as we see, all of the morals, quote unquote, that were prescribed by gods, omni-gods, all-knowing gods, have fallen by the wayside, are no longer even relevant in most societies. Look at what? the Ten Commandments. Look at your Ten Commandments. How many of those actually are laws? One, maybe two? If it was, if it was from an omni-god, we should see society gravitating back oh, to those quote-unquote prescribed laws. We see the, we see the opposite. Wait yes. a minute. Are you saying, you're saying the Sinai Ten Commandments were actual legal constructs? Is, is this what you're proposing? These were, not, these were not moral you. precepts. These were legal constructs. Is this what you're arguing? No. What I'm, what I'm arguing, Smokey, is, is if they were mandates from God as direction on how to live, we should see our laws, our ethical system mirror those. We don't. Why would, why would you legislate, micromanage, legislate per people's decisions for moral personal constructs? Why would you do that? What type of weird, crazy fascist are you? Why would you take why would you take a set of personal moral precepts and try to work it into a legal forced governmental framework? What type of crazy Ned, let me let me take it here, please. I haven't talked in a while and there are a couple wow, of things that have been what said. What a ridiculous on, statement that was. Right, Smokey, we've heard enough from you. No, Let's hear from that, Matthew. Ned, that is Ned, exactly see. what laws are, Smokey. Just because you don't get it doesn't mean that's not what no, the law is. Th but those no. are not Sorry, laws. Matthew, go ahead. Let's hear from let you. You're me, the one that's being ridiculous. Go ahead, Matthew. Let, let me just say that I find it highly ironic. In, in, um, I, I want to address at least two of the things that John has said. But first, I want to address what Smokey just said. So you're, you're talking about micromanaging um, what a specific person decided to do from a moral. Legal, from a legal perspective. Right. Okay. No, so I don't, I don't think that that's what, what God was ever trying to do. No, I don't think that's what God was trying to do. That's what I think the people who wrote the Bible were trying to do. Okay. Help me walk me through it. Exactly what you just said, which is so abhorrent, is how we view what the Bible What's writers abhorrent? Would What's you repeat? What would would you repeat your outrage again? No, I can paraphrase I, I, if you would. Go ahead, Please, that, that there, there's no there's no right there's no right of of humans to prescribe um, moral duties on other humans, which is exactly what the code of law does. No, if but, you believe so, then what? Why? Why okay. is it not okay to rape? Your personal, yeah, your personal legislation of your decisions of, of how you live your life is different than the constraints of legal precepts of, of an actual functional governmental system. You, they're not aligned. This is why when Christ came, he taught, I came to fulfill the law. 
You guys had taken the, the law, turned it into this very rigid, legalistic perspective, ignored the heart of the law that was behind it. And this is what Christ was bringing the ministry to, is to realize that there was these components, these aspects of benevolence, mercy, kindness that were supposed to be inspired by this construct. And instead, instead these, these legalists had taken it the complete opposite direction it was supposed to. And that's why Christ was taking it from the very, very strict, rigid, legalistic perspective to the personal moral framework of discerned life of building a relationship with Christ. And you guys are trying to conflate the two and then use that to attack the moral system. And that's the problem. So, Smokey, could you tell me the difference in prescribing law and prescribing what you see to be what the old testament sure okay um sure you You can say more minutes before the q a by the way sure okay uh and i'll try to throw up a quick example here it might not be the cleanest one um but maybe let's take the divorce as a good example um there was a time and christ said this that moses wrote the law allowed for a certificate of divorce now we know that god himself hates divorce is abhorred by it hates it wishes it would never happen but realizes that in this real world where people's hearts were hard which is what jesus said that it was something that basically ended up being permissible even though he hates it and later on he clarified that you know what adultery was and how it was supposed to be in in confines of how heart interpreted it that that we were supposed to have this this sense of innate obligation to stay with this person that we had married. It, it wasn't a le- supposed to be a legalistic interpretation, but a sense of m- self-motivated moral determinative action in order to understand that the purpose of this was not to be afraid of retribution or consequence of legal constructs, but because of a personal motivator and a personal inspiration to do it. Does that help? So, mm, not really, because you're not, I mean, again, you're, you're speaking in gen generalities and not i thought that was pretty specific specific. hold on you have to let him respond (laughs) smoky so when we see that there are moral prescripts moral things that are like you said moral abominations and if they're if they're an abomination to god then we know if we're going to like i said with gnome we are going to assume that god is all good and all powerful his nature will not allow for him to do anything negative or his, his righteousness definitely will not allow for any, any, any of that to occur or for him to act in any negative way, which to occur tends to got to let him finish even. Yes. Well, I'm just, I'm trying to get clarification, James, because some of it's confusing. You interrupt a lot. So to keep it like fairly even, I have to to quell some of those. So I'm I'm sorry, but I am getting. You can do it right after. Okay. I'm getting confused on a lot of things. I'm trying to keep quiet. I know. Don't worry. Yes. So I will clarify that yes, any allowance of evil would run contrary to an all powerful omni God, which in essence means that if God is as prescribed by the Bible, all good, all loving, all powerful, with a plan, then everything that has taken place, both past, present, future, has to be by definition not only good, but the ultimate of all good, which that, that in itself renders morality impossible, let alone identifiable or justifiable. And that's what Gnome states in a, in a nutshell. So, if you want to limit your God by saying that either he's not, doesn't have a plan 
or he's not righteous or he can out he can act outside of his nature either through action or inaction then granted gnome is no longer valid but as long as you're going to stand by what the bible prescribes morality becomes untenable yeah smoke let me make one insertion we shut up okay there is so much. It's got to be the very okay. last. We we can go for it to John. There is so much then... wrong with everything there. This is terrible. But I think we'll I give, feel so slighted. We'll give, we can, since we had the atheist, come back hold on. anytime you'd like. Since I would can... love to come back and debate that in full, sir. Since, in full. Please, that is, okay. Please, that would be wonderful. Since we since we had the atheist start, uh, just in terms of your reply, Maddox. So not like not looking for a speech. We'll give you the last word. Uh, okay, I'm gonna keep it short, and I'll yield my final my time to Smokey. Um, so no, this you're just getting this reply. This is it. That's it. <laughs> this, this is it. This is it. That's, this is we're going to Q and A. This is it. Okay, make it I'll, good, bro. I'll, I'll yield to Smokey. No, 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 don't no. Make it good. Just do it. Just do it. Go for it. It's fine. Okay, so the little diatribe of incoherent logic from our opponents there completely removes from the equation the premise that we view things from a finite perspective and do not actually have the overarching understanding of the big picture. Therefore, to argue that what the creator could be doing is immoral by default and goes against his nature is a rather arrogant uh, position to take that basically puts his understanding on par with the entity which he is, Norman claims doesn't exist, but is trying to say it does have all of these capabilities, but then doesn't actually have the ability to perform them because from the human finite perspective, we don't understand what or every aspect of the big picture. Because that's ultimately what your argument Jump breaks in. down at uh, at that point. But in I'll wrap up now. In, in the context of this debate overall, I mean, I, I don't even know what the heck, this had nothing to do with ethics whatsoever. Um, we didn't really get into anything this is in substance. A closing and, uh, this isn't really a closing statement. Okay, everybody, after, the, after the, the show, one. me and Smokey will have uh, be over the after show with Nicholas. Everybody head on over there. I think there'll be a link. Uh, he'll post it here and there. So come to the after show. We'll discuss this in more detail. And we are always happy to plug after shows, no matter what side they are from. In other words, in this case, Christian or atheist, let us know if there's an atheist channel out there. You can do battling after shows. That would be interesting. New, new thing. But... Thanks for your questions, folks. We're going to jump into these. want to say I have finally, thanks for your patience. So sorry I was delayed before. I've put the links of the speakers. They are officially in the description. So it's not just me saying it. They really are. You can check for yourself. They're waiting for you, folks. And so if you'd like to hear more from our guests, those links are ready for you. So jumping into the Q&A. Thanks so much for your question. This one comes in from Sunflower, who says, thanks for your question. They said, Matthew a theist could advocate for or propose a secular ethical system despite the fact that they believe in God. Could they not? Yes, they could. Gotcha. And Sunflower also asks, or states, Thanos is a metaphor for an atheist with maximum power. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. What do you guys think? Atheist, that's it's pretty harsh. You don't want to be Thanos. That's pretty harsh. That's that's you're presuming that all atheists think the same, have the same moral system, and would make the same decision based on the values that they hold. So if 
an, an atheist believed that they had the power and the right to make that decision, then that would follow. But that's not necessarily what any atheist is going to believe by default. And John, I just want to say, I didn't get the chance to respond, but I, ha I have every intention of coming to the after show and doing so to the, um, the thought experiment you, you proposed and also your other question. Um, I, the only reason I haven't responded is because of lack of time. Well, that's awesome, man. Hey, everybody, you may or may go over to, to uh, Nicholas. I'm wagering this will get fiery uh, after the debate. Should be fun times. Gotcha. And, and if you guys will have me, I'll, I'll come along as well. Nice. And round two on Nick's channel. Absolutely. And James W., thanks for your oh, one more. This is from Sunflower once again. It says, Ned, if a rogue agent decides to enact the culling, to increase pleasure for the living idea on their own, they would know they wouldn't be one of the cold. So they, right. I think but, well, we've seen that. We've seen that a myriad of times throughout history. And that always, without exception, at least up until this point, has always resulted in the herd, all humanity, collectively acting together to stop that individual and or tribe. Gotcha. And thank you for your question. This one comes in from none other than James W. You guys have seen James W. before. He had a debate on abductions, whether or not there's alien abductions. So, cool. Smokey and Maddox, dot, dot, dot. James, you earned it. Get yourself a nice soy burrito. Thank you for that, <laughs> Super Chat. <laughs> he knows how I love soy. Thank you for that. Stupid whore energy strikes again. She says... Christian ethics were used to legitimize things like antebellum slavery in the South, as well as African apartheid, like the verses on slavery and prohibition of mixed marriages. Completely irrelevant on the first part with the slavery because the abolitionists also used verses, particularly verses that were pointing out the better, more scholarly interpretations, which showed that the Jews valued human life of the slaves above any of their contemporaries and actually treated them like people and gave them rights as people, unlike any of their contemporaries. And that's the type of verses and interpretations they used to support themselves. So that's nonsensical. What was the second part? Uh, something to do with uh, marriages or something? What was it? Gotcha. Let's see. Uh Oh, it was on mixed marriages being banned by Christians. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's nonsensical and stupid, and that was cherry picking and desperation on their part. And it clearly ignores the fact that Jesus said uh, God is not a de uh, respecter of persons, and we're all human beings. So that's just someone attempting to shoehorn something isogetically into the text to support themselves, just like the people that tried to promote, uh, purport the type of slavery, which was actually inspired by evolutionary theory that uh, African Americans were actually less evolved humans. I yield. Gotcha. And thanks so much for your question from Matt Powell's gay pet pterodactyl. I doubt that's really his pet pterodactyl, but says, uh, did Neanderthal women have... Oh, gosh, I'm not reading that. Next up, Jungle <laughs> Dragon. Nasty guy. That Don't pet, be soy. Don't that be soy, pet, James. That pet pterodactyl. I can't help it. You guys, you know how I love James, this unless you read that super chat. Beta. Beta. Yeah, That's right. Beta. Don't worry, I've got it covered. And Nightmare, thanks for your super chat. Said, "Good job, Smokey and LPP, or logical, plausible, probable." You got a fan out there. I, 
I mean, you've got a lot of critics, but you you have one fan. So thank, <laughs> thank you, you, Nightmare. Gabriel K., thanks for your question, said, I get the dynamics now. Smokey the brain, Maddox the mouth, both having a stroke. <laughs> you know, I, I do find it funny, especially since these empty assertions, they never really accompany an argument or anything specific that they noticed in something that we said. It's always just this blanket assertion of emotion noise. So whatever. It's irrelevant. Well said. Well said. I, I'm, I'm going to allow Smokey to be the mouth and I'll be the brain on this one. <laughs> gotcha. Let's see. Thank you for your question. This one comes from Gurmania says, if the Abrahamic God is all loving, then why did he command the stoning of gays in the Old Testament? Can you justify it using your Christian morality? Please elaborate. Sure. Yeah, I'll elaborate a little bit. It's a more complex question, but I'll try to make it short. Um, the legislation that you noticed, especially in terms of the legal construct for that, was that uh, no one could be put to death unless it was to, under the witness of two or three people. So clearly this was not intended to hunt out the type of private discretions that might happen naturally inside any culture or civility, but to prevent it be from becoming an actual cultural norm, which would undermine the structure and stability of the patriarchal culture and its uh, prioritization over the new nuclear family, which would have caused the Jews to probably go extinct like the rest of the contemporaries around them. So thank God they had such a high level principle of trying to maintain that type of structure in their culture and society to allow them to survive to modern day. I yield. Gotcha. And thank you for your question. This one comes in from the quiet gorilla. Thank you so much said, here's a couple of drachma for the time. Efforts and thoughts. Am I saying that right? Drachma? Have you guys ever seen that? I have no idea what that D -R -A -C -H -M -A. is. D-R-A-C-H-M-A. I don't know. So uh, yeah. I, I, my guess is it's like an ancient form of uh, money. But say, uh, thanks for your efforts and thoughts, especially modern day debate. Um, enjoyably lit, interesting. Thanks, everyone. Well, thank you. And I pass on your thank you. I pay it forward to the speakers as they make it fun. So thank you. Well, guys. thank you. Yeah, thank you. We have a question. Oh, that's right. A Patreon question from our dearest Spart344 says, calling out Smokey on his understanding of Judaism and Jewish legal system as given on Mount Sinai. Sure. Okay. Well, let's talk about it. Come by. We'll unpack it. He wants a piece of you. He says he wants sure. to get, get his hands on you. Happy for I, I think there's going to be an open mic uh, opportunity on the after show. So head on over, folks. Yep. Head on over. Challenge gotcha. me. And next, thanks for your question from Movie Theory. Coming after the atheist directly, it says, how do you say incest of a father and son is wrong? And Theus, how do you respond? You want to go first, Ned? Yeah, it, it fails the test. If that was adopted by society as the norm, we would end up having, let's say, problematic breeding, and we would eventually fail not to mention what it does and that's one of the reasons that it seems so atrocious to us things that are bad for us through millions of years has been uh, bred into us for lack, lack of a better term that seems disgusting just like if we had to eat feces or, or anything else okay hang on is it are you suggesting that uh, something that has absolutely zero to do with perpetuation of the species um, is somehow it's wrong under your worldview. How would you how would you not see that if we had incest, 
that that would not affect no, no. father father son uh incest has literally nothing to do with reproduction of the species doesn't it does mean that the son no no the son and the father can both go and impregnate a woman it, it does so, actually no it's, go ahead, um, Matthew. I, it, it does have something to do with it because it affects mental health if if it's it has, harming, it has zero to do with whether or not the son can reproduce on. let's give him a chance to respond the willingness to reproduce the sexual health of being willing to engage in a relationship with a woman and have sex and have a child is affected by mental health when you've been abused okay so are you suggesting that men who have been abused and undergone pedophilia do not go and reproduce no i'm saying they're less likely to no, no but they are still able to correct Physically, so yes, can, but they may okay, not be comfortable so, okay, so enough in, to do that. From an evolutionary perspective, if there's only uh, the son and the uh, girl are the survivors of a cataclysmic event, are they going to reproduce? If they're the only survivors, then... Even, even, though, even though the boy was abused by his father when he was a boy, are they, it's the two of them left from an evolutionary perspective, are they going to reproduce? No. That depends on whether they, they decide if there's a point or not. If they're the only ones left, they can't perpetuate or perpetuate the species anyway. But but you, you, you guys have said earlier that evolution is a driver that is separate from the individual. It's a herd mentality. Sure. Not separate in no no. I'm pretty sure I made not, that clear not, distinction earlier, and you said no. It's about the herd, and people will sacrifice themselves exactly. for the herd. So it is, an, is it this? There's only two left. Separate. There's only two left. No. The son was That's engaged in incest with okay. his father. So is he going to reproduce? Yes or no? Let's uh, actually let the other side respond now, John. If they're so, the last then we've two... We've got to move on because we're going to give them the last word on this one. If they're the last two, what does it matter? This The species is already dead. No, no, no. I, I want to answer it because I don't want it to look like... There's a okay, male I've, and a female. They enough. can reproduce. All right. Well, let's give uh, Ned a chance because this... Uh, John, I do have to give them the last word because this is targeting them. That's challenging them. Okay. So, again, the, the ability to reproduce is going to diminish the less um, pleasurable sex becomes. And when, when sex is associated with abuse, just like Matthew said, it's going to be less likely. Now, would they, would they try to reproduce if they're trying to save the species? Perhaps, just like gay individuals might. That's not the, that's not the uh, point here. The point is, is that if you're going to say that we're gonna prescribe incest and child pedophilia as the norm and you think that's not going to affect a vast majority of the the ability of the human species to reproduce i'm sorry but you were just the question was about whether or not it was moral or immoral and what was the justification for it being immoral? right and i said it's immoral because it it fails the test the Uh, test is if accepted by society would it better or worsen the ability for not only us to remain but also pro, um, prosper it fails both tests therefore it is immoral we got to move to the next one want to say thanks for your super chat from this one's from gabriel k he says let's see oh and drachma i found out d-r-a-c-h-m-a is spart said it's pre-european greek uh money so thank you for that gabriel k thank you for your drachma says channels run by the mouthpiece Watch out, Maddox. I don't exactly know what that means. What do they mean by channels run by the mouthpiece? Maybe they talking say- about me. Probably talking about me. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. 
Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you for your question. This one comes in from Germania. Says, question of all, I think for all, whether it's absolute or objective or relative slash subjective, how do you define morality? Who's that for, James? I'm Everybody. Sorry. Okay. One more time. Is whether you consider morality objective or subjective, how do you define it? Um, yeah, no, absolutely. There is an objective uh, uh, framework, an objective set of moral stances that are standards that are gleaned through the revelation of scriptures, such as sanctity of human life, you know, um, equal rights, you know, things like this that we've used to basically construct a lot of the foundation objective principles of a modern first world society. So, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, we'll give everybody else a chance I to. Would, I, would, I would give a, I know they're going to shoot me for this, but both. One, if it fails, if it fails both tests, that's an objective no. But goals change, and if your goals change, then of course it's got to be subjective. Gotcha. And thanks for your question. This one comes in from let's see, uh, pulling the movie theory all up in your face. This aggressive is this. This is a uh, reminds me of praise. But it says atheist. How do you uh, say incest? Oh, wait, we got that one. They, this one, they say follow-up. Let's see. What is happening? Wait. Um, I think maybe... Oh, I think... So they say, how do you... If you're an atheist, how do you justify pederastry? I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, this video is totally getting demonetized. <laughs> Um, the, basically when an adult has relations, I don't know, but what is the way pedos they're saying, how do you justify that being wrong, uh, on an atheistic worldview? And they say, or yeah, so we'll just go with that. How do you justify it being wrong? They've got to go ahead. It, it fails both tests. It's that simple. Gotcha. And... Next up, thanks for your question. This one is, let's see. That's, we, Spart, I could have sworn I had one from you. Did we get the one on, there was one on the, oh, okay. No, so sorry. Spart, you had a question. There was one last thing they wanted to clarify on Neanderthals, and I missed it. So I did want to acknowledge that. So sorry, Spart. Or, no, well, it was, wasn't it that the gross one? Something like, do Neanderthals have, and then you stopped, and you're like, I can't read no, that. No, no, that was like Matt Powell's alleged pet pterodactyl. Oh, okay. um, this one was a different one that I already asked him to repeat. So I'm so sorry about that, Spark. If you got it, I will read it, because I know that you said that way earlier on, and I don't want to ignore it. Sorry, buddy. But want to say, folks, we are going to wrap up. want to let you know all of the links for the speakers are in the description. So really encourage you you can learn more about our friends who are on tonight most of all i also want to say we never we don't give enough thanks to the moderators so thank you moderators for all you do we have been told that we ever since the milo debate we have been told that we are biased in our moderators we don't have enough they say we don't have enough centrists or conservatives and so we do love our left-leaning moderators but it's true that we do want to have balance so let me know if you are a conservative or centrist politically speaking and we will try to get you uh, as a moderator. We appreciate that help. And so last of all, and most importantly, thanks so much to our guests. Appreciate all four of you guys being here and hanging out with us tonight. Thank you.
Thank you, James. This was fun. Thank you. Appreciate it, James and everybody. And uh, make sure you head over to the after show. Absolutely. And um, stoked to remind you as well, want to let you know, we have tomorrow Dark Viper AU as pictured on the bottom right of your screen, he will be, see, be taking on Tom Jump on whether or not morality is objective or subjective. And then we are also excited as this Monday, first time Dr. Ben Burgess will be debating Mr. Reagan on whether or not racism is still a significant problem in the U.S. So that should be another big one, also pictured at the bottom right, if you want a reminder. So thanks so much. We uh, will plug that after show. We'll put it in the description, and you, I think you'll see all four of these gentlemen there. So thank you, all four gentlemen, one last time. Keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable, everybody. Take care.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.